So this is where we get introduced to Killa. So Killa is played by Scott Adkins, which a lot of people probably aren't going to know who Scott Adkins is. He did a lot of fighter films, basically. He did a lot of UFC and boxing fighting films. One thing that I find interesting about casting Scott Adkins is they didn't use him for, like, the big buff macho role that he's known for. Instead, he gets put in a fat suit and kind of looks like, you know, fat bastard from, like, the Austin Powers movies and stuff. But one kind of thing that I liked about him is he plays this very campy Bond-style villain, which I know to a lot of people would just kind of be like, okay, whatever, basically, right? You know, he's just, he's a guy in a fat suit. But one thing that I like about this character is when he's first introduced, he's like, ah, John Wick, you've been delivered to me as a gift and everything like that. So many people want to kill you, you know, why don't I just do you a favor and do it now and everything like that? He's like, but it'd be too easy. And then we discover that Kane is there because Kane has obviously been waiting around for John Wick to come in. And then the tracker got spotted outside, so they bring him in and he's like, wow, so you want to kill John Wick, you want to kill John Wick, I want to kill John Wick, why don't I just do it right now? And he pulls out a revolver to kill John Wick, and Kane's like, no, don't do it because I work for the Marquis, and the tracker wants it, obviously, for the bounty that's on John Wick's head, and he's like, okay, well, why don't we play a card game to determine John Wick's fate? And, you know, as he's shuffling the cards, he starts talking about each of them and everything like that, and he starts going, but you know what the funny thing is, the three of you that came to this table all thought you were going to come in here with, like, the power and stuff like that, but... The guy holding the deck and the cards and dealing it was the true one that held the power and everything like that. And obviously John Wick delivers the cold hard line like, I'm going to kill you. And of course, Killa doesn't believe him at first. And Killa's goons start to encircle in once they realize like, oh, he's going to kill us. And one thing that I love about this uniqueness with John Wick is he takes one of the playing cards, swipes Killa in the neck with it and cuts it pretty deep and then throws one of the playing cards into the eye of one of the goons and straight up fucking kills him. And of course, this is what causes Killa to run out of the room as all of them starts killing the goons in the room there's some creative kills by kane in this where kane throws like a flashbang at one point to blind all of them the tracker uses the dog to start biting the nuts of the goons so that way he can go up and shoot him in the head and then john wick is chasing down killer after shooting him in the ass and this is where we get another nightclub sequence which the cinematography here Mwah beautiful once again it looks great the fight scenes in this are great scott adkins despite the fat suit moves really well and his fucking moves are great and he throws john wick off a great height which john wick you know he lands on a beam and then hits a dance floor and he should be paralyzed but at this point we're kind of used to john wick the supernatural human being anyways like he got thrown off a fucking roof in the third one so i'm okay with him surviving it because it just adds to the legend of the baba yaga what makes him tick and everything and even after he's on the dance floor and he gets up he starts killing goons he's putting axes in their heads and shit like that and he's like throwing axes at him and everything and then killer comes down the steps to fight john wick again and it's more great action and violence and stuff like that and i just love everything about the sequence and the way it plays out but not only that but just scott adkins having to play a role that is completely different from anything else that he's ever played just great choice no yeah like i the thing is i knew nothing about scott adkins going into this right yeah. So seeing him in a fat suit, I thought he was just going to be sitting there because I, I thought I loved his presence, but I thought like something big was going to happen and it wasn't going to involve him. And I didn't expect him to like in a nightclub. By the way, my favorite cliche in in these movies is like John Wick murderizing a bunch of goons in the middle of a fucking club. And, like, nobody's, like, fucking reacting. Yeah. But, like, yeah, and then, like, after he kills, like, one final goon, like, it's, like, yeah, it, it's Killa. Like, looking at him dead in the eye. And then he, like, takes his asthma thing, breathes into it, and then he's, like, you shot me in the asshole, bastard. And yeah. then, like, just 
it turns into like one big like fight scene and i did not expect that and that was the most interesting thing to me because like yeah it's like what if batman fought like a penguin that knew how to fight like that, yeah. that, that was my main thing and that's why i loved about this scene yeah and i should mention john wick still has to fight off other goons and stuff like this but what i love about the resolution of killa is after killa threw him off a great height John Wick charges kill a full charge and knocks him off a great height and he lands fucking neck first on the bottom step and breaks his neck and dies and I everybody in the audience fucking hollered and screamed at that because of how cool it was John Wick goes down and he turns him over and he's got this big dumb expression on his face and then he punches him three times in the face to knock out a gold tooth as proof that he killed Killa and then he walks out of the nightclub and I'm like that's just fucking perfect that's awesome I love everything about that because I because there was another scene where like he was punching Killa in the face like a bunch of times, right? Yeah. And I guess that's the one thing that I can really critique about because keep in mind, like each act in this movie is like near perfect. Like they're all nine out of tens. I I, I think that's the main reason why I give this movie a nine out of ten. Spoilers. But like <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I remember he was, like, decking him. Like, John Wick was decking Killa in the face, like, multiple times for a scene, mm-hmm. to the point where, like, it knocks him out for a little bit. But I think it's because he's in a fat suit, but, which already has, like, a bunch of makeup on him. Like, I don't know. I, I kind of expected Killa to at least get, like, a black eye. Right? From, like, mm-hmm. all that, like, brutalizing and such. Maybe, maybe it's also just because he has, like, a like a metal like teeth thing like grill. yeah maybe, maybe he was like aiming for just that i don't know I, I, that's like a little nitpick I uh-huh. but yeah no that that was awesome tracker saying nuts to have the dog, dog fucking <laughs> bite the nuts off of this one dude that was awesome to me. yeah that was good but um uh, yeah. yeah so after this john walked has the gold tube he doesn't have anything else and the tracker is at a vantage point with once again his sniper and he's going to take him down and then johnny n points the, his little blade sword on him and is like i told you not to take the deal and he's like well why do you want to do this like the high table really took your eyes from you he's like no they didn't take him from me i gave them to him and the tracker's left stunned after that and he just like you know lets it happen lets donnie n walk away john walks back in he goes to the head of the rushka roma shows her the tooth and then they go through their whole ritual in which they burn themselves permanently with the scar on their forearms on this hot metal thing. They drink vodka, obviously, to salute it. And she's like, well, the Rushkaroma backs your challenge to the Marquis. Who will be your two? And then we cut to the sequence in which Winston has this long take where he's walking down this museum, which I assume is like near the Louvre or something like that in Paris. And he walks to the Marquis and is like, I have a decree. You have to atone to this because it's a high table rule and it's the old ways and stuff like that. You have been challenged to single combat. And like you said earlier, of course, the Marquis thinks that he's under the rules and everything. He's like, ah, well, you know, there are new ideas, new rules, new management. Like this high table stuff like isn't anything. And he's like, but you'll respect the old rules because none of us are above the high table. And you can tell there's that peak frustration on Bill Skarsgård where he's like, I don't want to be serving under these people. I don't want to feel like I owe them anything. But he is just, again, a general that's serving under the 12 members of the high table. And Winston starts to coax him a little bit. He's like, you know, so many men like that just are marquees, you know, they got on history as like just goons and stuff like that. But you could be the marquee that takes down John Wick. And if you do that, 
who knows how high that kind of power can take someone. And of course, it causes the Marquis to get a little bit cocky. He's like, okay, I accept this challenge. And Winston's like, okay, but at the time John Wick wins, I want my hotel reestablished. I want all of my perks back and everything like that. I want everything back to the way it was for me. And he goes, okay, I'll take that deal. And John Wick gets his freedom. But as he's walking out, he tells Winston, but you also have to know the old rules means if John Wick loses, his challenger also gets buried alongside him. And presumably, I'd assume the Ruskaroma also for backing John Wick. And Bill Skarsgård goes, you know, just like the old ways. And of course, Winston is left just, you know, kind of sitting there contemplating it. And he goes, such is life. And he walks out. I mean, that's something that I also really like about the Marquis is the fact that he's like very prideful. Yes. Right, like, like the way that Mr. Manager even said, he's like, you could be the one to bring the Grim Reaper into the light. And I think that says a lot about the ending, I guess. Like, the choices yes. as far as, like, oh, how it happens. And how it happens... I, I remember reading a letterbox review about how this kind of feels as though it's, like, wrapping up like a entire war arc since you were 14 years old mm-hmm. yeah it, it, if you frame it like that like especially with like this next scene that we're gonna talk about in a sec it, it does feel like this a culmination of something so yeah i don't know that, that's why i like about the marquee and this movie yeah uh, so after this, John meets the Marquis, and the two of them sit down at this table with the Harbinger, and he's like, okay, we're going to determine, you know, the rules of this, and whoever has the higher number gets to determine, like, wins their choice of what they want. So, of course, John is like, I want to do it, you know, during the nighttime, and the Marquis's like, I want to do it during the day, he has the higher number, so the Harbinger's like, okay, it'll be daytime. Uh, there's a location determination, which again, of course, is won by the Marquis, and he goes, you know do this there's no point in you trying to buy your freedom you're john wick the killer like you'll always be the killer there's nobody that can deny that you'll never find inner peace because killing is all you know and john wick of course doesn't really say anything to that because it's again this prideful little arrogant asshole and john says dueling pistols and wins so the duel will be determined by two dueling pistols but of course the marquee is within his rights to make a nomination so who does he nominate to take on john wick in the duel kane and Kane is, of course, caught off guard by this, and the Harbinger's like, okay, it'll take place at this historic French place, it'll be in the morning, it'll be with dueling pistols, failure to meet at sunrise means that, obviously, the challenger will be killed, and, of course, his backer and everybody else that backed him and everything, good day, gentlemen, and he walks off, and John and Winston walk off, and then Kane goes, won't do it, you're gonna have to find someone else to fight your own fight, and, of course, the pridefulness of the Marquis is like, oh, well, you know, your daughter will suffer because of it, and, of course, you know, Kane is frustrated because, again, this man has his daughter, but he also doesn't want to kill his friend John Wick, which again just shows the greatness of this villain, the Marquis. I don't know how you can look at the Marquis and think he's a bad villain. Yeah, I mean, it, it brings back to like Santino, right? Yeah. Where it's like, it's a villain that's like so petty, but is also like not willing to do anything. Like, he's so willing to use other people to do his bidding. And, like, they can't really do anything about it. That, that's what I like about the Marquis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another thing, too. But, yeah. No, it, it's... And again, like, going back to, like, how we have John like John Wick-like characters. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd say Kane is 
interesting and in he's like living john wick 2 again basically yeah <laughs> where he's kind of doing something that uh he do- he really doesn't want to do even though he's out of retirement like yeah he just wants to and he still considers john a friend that via the next scene where they're both sitting in the church together uh and yeah they're kind of just like catching up one last time before like this whole duel thing can go down and he's like yeah i'm just glad that i get to sit down with a friend yeah i do like the line where donnie yen is like do you think your wife can hear you and he goes maybe maybe not and then of course he goes well maybe and he's like you know that you're going to die and john goes maybe not which is another powerful line because again john wick hasn't died in any other movies in this so why would it be any different you know Um, but i do like that they do respect each other as friends obviously because that's the one thing i thought would get lost in translation is that these two would just become bitter enemies but no kane truly does not want to kill an old friend of his and neither does john and it's tearing them both apart so of course to find some safety to harbinge before obviously sunrise so he decides to meet down in the subway system where the bowery king gets off with winston and he's like i'm spreading my wings john i'm being disobedient you know i'm going to you know lead this little revolution and stuff and he introduces this brand new kevlar suit to john he's like a man will look best when he's getting married or buried um he gives john this pit viper pistol that he basically talks about as like one of the quickest and efficient pistols and everything like that and winston and him are toasting to wine as john gets ready and everything like that meanwhile the marquee is being told by the harbinger hey you know you're not to interfere with john wick getting to the location and like if we find out that you do this like there will be consequences for that and he walks off but of course the marquee hired obviously assassins to take him out and also puts out an anonymous call on this radio to basically tell people in paris like hey john wick is here he's got a 25 million dollar some bounty on his head why don't you go try to kill him and so all these goons are gearing up they got a dragon's breath shotgun that they're going to use and everything like that which comes into play later and basically all of these people are ready to take on john the minute they find him the bowery king of course takes john in his little boat with winston and they go down and they start talking a little bit about how it's going to be over soon and everything like that and winston delivers a great line where he's like you know i kind of you know struggled a little bit to think about what to put on sharon's little gravestone but you know what i put friend because above all else that's what he was and the bowery king's like well mine is long live the king i had that made a long time ago and everything like that and john kind of thinks about it a little bit as they get to the edge of the pond and they let john off at the station and he gets out and he goes loving husband that's what i want to be remembered as john loving husband and they just you know don't really say much they nod to it and john goes up the steps and it's again a powerful scene that's just so little but yet so effective yeah and again it'll also play we're we're saying a lot of stuff that like yeah. will bleed into <laughs> the ending of this yeah and that i feel like by the end of this we're, we're still going to be a little bit com- we, we talked about it, like briefly before mm-hmm. this we're kind of conflicted but like i don't know i think i'm starting to like it a little bit more as we're like discussing it mm-hmm. discussing like the movie in full I guess that, that that's why I like about this conversation. I guess, yeah. So John, of course, goes up to the city streets where the radio broadcast is like, "Uh oh, we spotted John Wick on this part of the area. If you're in that area, try to take him out." 
and we get this action sequence where John's trying to cross the street and all these goons are closing in on him and it's another gunfight he takes a car he runs a couple of them over he smashes a guy with his car one is hanging on his car door that he bangs into a light post like it's great he drives the car around and he drives it to the whatever historic Paris landmark it is and it turns into a chase sequence where all these cars are chasing him around and it's basically Frogger at a certain point because John gets out of his car and all these goons are chasing him down and they're getting hit by cars John's getting hit by cars um, all of these people are trying to basically just stay afoot but basically every time John gets hit by a car he gets back up but the goons no they're just straight up dead again adding to that beautiful Baba Yaga myth um, there's a great moment in this where the tracker shows up where it looks like John's about to get shot and killed and the dog gets out and takes out a goon and the tracker is sitting there he's like hey I got John Wick in my sights uh, Mr. Marquis like do you want me to take him out for 30 million dollars Marquis like no I'm not doing this blah 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 and he's like okay well that's gonna be the only offer that I'm gonna make right now and of course Bill Skarsgård's all frustrated because he doesn't want to pay the actual price that the tracker wants the tracker helps out John a little bit the dog gets thrown into a car which everybody in the audience you know gasped the dog was gonna die but it turns out to be okay John gets back in the car and is able to drive off and once again we see that Bill Skarsgård is becoming increasingly more frustrated because he realizes at a certain point like John Wick the myth the legend might actually catch up to him and might actually kill him which is why his marquee goons start to come into play here then we get John Wick runs into a motorcycle gang he throws his motorcycle into another motorcyclist they chase him up into this building where he takes out all of these goons and then we get probably hands down my favorite action moment in this movie where John gets his hands on one of those Dragon's Breath shotguns, starts pumping rounds of Dragon's Breath fire into people and the camera tilts into a 2D shot much like the Hotline Miami games where we watch yeah. John go room to room and clear out all of these goons with the Dragon's Breath shotgun. It's beautifully shot. It's an homage obviously to those 2D top down games from the past and everything like that. Hotline Miami is the first one that comes to my mind because it plays the synthy beats that all those games have but I was floored by this. I had the biggest fucking smile on my face because of how fucking cool it was. Hayden, this is clearly a love letter to the classic game John Wick Hex. Oh, that's right, John Wick Hex. <laughs> that's oh, like man. a that's like a turn-based Hotline Miami type game. Yeah, it's not as good as Hotline Miami. <laughs> yeah, but... yeah. But like, you know, yeah, you're right. Th this very much screams Hotline Miami, and that's what I it's so insane how they were able to they've gotten to that point where yeah. I, I want to say that John Wick 1 is like simple revenge plot 2 is when it actually starts getting like good writing wise like as it includes like intrigue and such 3 despite like it being like very loose it is like a gamer entry I guess that, that, that's the best way I could describe it like it, it's like it very much feels like a video game, especially, like, when he gets, like, knocked down, like, from a building. Yeah. Basically. Right? Like, it kind of takes you out of it, but, like, it's okay. It's a video game. This, this movie, if it hasn't been established as a gamer movie before, it is now, definitely. <laughs> it's a great reference, too. Exactly. Um, but yeah, after this, John and the tracker meet up with each other again because the tracker is like, okay, 45 million. And of course, reluctantly, the Marquis is like, okay, if you kill John Wick, I will give you 45 million. So the tracker and him are at odds again. They get into a basically handheld fist fight where John and him get into a fight and the dog's taking out goons in the background. Well, then 
that leader goon of the marquee comes up with a gun and John picks up the gun from the uh, tracker and he goes to point it at him to kill him. But instead of killing him, he shoots the goon in his vest, which causes the, vo- uh, the goon to fall off the story building and d- not die, but he gets knocked out, I guess. And he saves the dog. And then John just rushes out of the room and the tracker's caught off guard because obviously John Wick, you know, the killer had a moment of basically humanity where he didn't kill the tracker, spared him and even saved his dog. And the tracker is like emotionally conflicted from that because, you know, he doesn't know how to feel. John Wick did a noble thing that normally like the legend is, oh, he's just a killer. Like that's all he does is kill. But it actually shows like John has a human side. And then we get another gamer moment where Keanu Reeves jumps out a five story building, hits a car and dents it, falls to the ground and then gets up and walks it off basically. And I was like, oh my goodness, like you're really breaking the suspension of disbelief here, but it's so fucking cool. I just, I just saw two videos actually. One is actually seeing the stunt being done. Like, apparently, obviously, Keanu Reeves didn't jump five stories, but, like, I saw, like, what he did. Like, he was standing on the, on that truck, and then he jumped and then did the stunt, like, and, like, fell on the fucking ground. And, oh my god, still, that's, like, painful. Yeah. Even for a stunt person. A lot of people infamously, you know, the, I, it got uploaded before the movie, but did you see the, the escalator scene where the guy gets thrown down the escalator? Dude, and then they, yeah. They yell cut and he just gets up like nothing happened. What the fuck? Again, like, I don't know. Like, why, why do the Oscars not nominate stunts? I don't get it. Like, these are literal fucking people putting their bodies on the line and you're not going to award that? Yeah. No, you bring up a good point. Yeah, like they don't. Why don't they recognize that? Anyways, that that's something that I very. The Academy's so out of touch at this point. Like it's, yeah, I get it. He win every year because he just doesn't say shit. But like, you gotta award movies like John Wick where it's people literally doing this shit to their bodies, and like they gotta have some incentive. Yeah, because like, yeah, which kind of brings me to the second thing that I wanted to mention because like I remember. I watched a video like with like Bob Odenkirk, like on the red carpet or something, and uh, somebody asked him who would win, like your character in Nobody or John Wick, and yeah, Bob Odenkirk even like lap was like cracking up, saying that like yeah no I'm not winning against John Wick because John Wick lives in John Wick world. And I live in the real world. And <laughs> to an extent, that's kind of true. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, obviously, Bob Kirk, he's playing a character that's, like, somebody that's out of his prime mm-hmm. versus somebody who's, like, a literal badass. And I, I kind of like how he kind of admits that, too. Yeah. Because yeah. that that's the best way I could describe those scenes where he's falling five stories from a building. Because, yeah, no, he's just built different. He has a suit that, like, saves him from insane shit like that. That's what I find insane. And that's what I find cool about these John Wick movies. And I'm still able to, like, nobody, by the yeah. way. Yeah, it's a great movie. That's an underrated movie. People should check it out. Exactly. Um, so anyways, after this, John Wick then works his way up to the steps, where he has to climb up 222 steps to reach, of course, the high table duel. 
and there are all these goons that are waiting on the steps. What does John Wick do? Goes up the steps and he's clearing out all of the goons all the way to the top. They're rolling down as they're getting shot and everything, or John's using them as body shields and everything like that. And John Wick works his way up to the top of the steps where the marquee goons meet him and the head honcho punches him down the steps. And yes, Keanu Reeves falls down all 222 steps, which again, just makes me think, how the fuck does this man that is nearing 60 just do this stuff? Wait, because, okay, what, I'm bringing back fucking Matrix Resurrections. But wasn't, like, a stuntman for Keanu Reeves? Like, he said that he didn't want to work for Matrix Resurrections, so he decided to just stick with four. Yeah. Was that actually Keanu Reeves, or was it the stuntman? So, Regardless, it's insane. It's, it's, I guess, apparently... Keanu did 90% of the stunts in this movie, right? It was reported that he did 90% of his stunts, yes. So, I'm willing to believe he did, because all you would have to do is, like, put a shit ton of padding on him, and as he's rolling down, like, he is in a position to where, like, he's not hitting his face or anything like that, so Mm -hmm. I am willing to bet Keanu Reeves probably did fall down a bunch of steps, because I mean, he got thrown through glass pane windows in this movie and shit like that, so... Because, like, I'm also bringing back, like, callbacks to other movies because that that's what this movie is basically like yeah as far as payoff goes yeah because he does fall down a bunch of steps with common in the second one too correct right so like but the thing that's most impressive to me is like that is a fuck ton amount of steps compared to the steps that he was taking in italy Correct. Which, man, ah, man, I don't know. That to me was insane. And because, like, the thing is, like, you kind of feel like hopeless in that situation too. Like, he just got to the top, and it only took like two kicks to get him to rock bottom. And you think that is like all hope is lost. He's never gonna make it to this dual person. But then fucking uh, fucking Kane comes in and he's like oh you got two minutes alright yeah we're we're getting to the top of this and they fu- oh man are you gonna describe how it goes down yeah so yeah. Kane and him are walking up the steps and John just simply says to him 12 or 9 and of course Donnie Yen takes a deep breath and he goes 9 and he shoots the person that's at his 9 o'clock as John takes out the people that are at his 12 o'clock that's not only great attention to detail but it's the fact that Donnie Yen once again was listening and John was like you hear a person at your 9 o'clock I hear a person at the 12 o'clock right in front and Donnie Yen takes a person that's farther away and it's just it's so fucking cool and as they're going up the steps Donnie Yen's using his cane to stab goons and like throw him at John so that way he can take him out a second time or vice versa John's saving him from a goon that's about to take him out and they work their way up the steps which which again that marquee goon that's all the way up there at the top goes to fight both of them and John gets knocked down the steps again pretty comedically um, and Donnie Yen of course is like sliding down and he's like uh, pointing a gun at the goon and the goon's like you can't kill me he's like oh, you're right but I can beat the shit out of you a lot and so the two of them get into a fight and John gets up and they knock the shit out of the goon and even there's a great moment where Donnie Yen stabs a pencil through the hand of the goon and then they just leave him there to his own demise and everything and he's like come on John let's get up these steps which it just makes me think did Donnie Yen teach the pencil trick to John did John teach the pencil trick to Johnny Yen we'll never know 
And the goon goes to, you know, crawl over to grab his gun. He turns because he hears a dog growling and he goes, oh shit. And nuts is set again by the tracker. The dog goes for the nuts of the goon. The tracker walks up and goes, you shot my puppy. And he shoots the goon right in the head. And then the dog pisses on the head and they all get up the steps. Most hilarious scene in the in this entire franchise. It be was. Yeah. If, because if it wasn't apparent, these movies are clearly made for dog people. Yeah. I think. And that's that's why I appreciate about that's this. That's why Zero, the cat person in 3, has to die. Because he's a cat person. Exactly. Exactly. It was nothing personal. He was just a cat person, basically. Um, it's skill issue, obviously. <laughs> it was a skill issue. But, um... <laughs> yeah i don't know like that that was so insane to me and like the and the thing is i like how it ends too like because his little cane cane's little cane it's like a little stinger mm-hmm. i guess that's the best way i can describe it. it's like ah, i can't believe we made it and john's like i can't believe we made it and then don just like donnie yen's character just like fucking stabs him in the hand which kind of seems for no reason, but I don't know. The comedy of this is just... Yeah. For this, but yeah. Yeah, so they make it to the high table duel, and of course Bill Skarsgård is all frustrated because his his goons couldn't get the job done. Um, And so what ends up happening is they sit there at the table, and of course the Harbinger's like, okay, the duel will commence. Like, we have all these rules, and like, your bodies will be, of course, amended and everything like that. And he says a whole prayer. They take a shot. John takes off all of his bulletproof vests and all of his garments. Donnie Yen does the same. Uh, The two of them, obviously, are told to walk 30 paces from each other. But before we do, Donnie Yen looks at him and goes, see you on the other side, my brother. And so the two of them walk to their 30 paces. Bill Skarsgård walks up with the gun ammo and goes, remember your daughter? And Donnie Yen yells, fuck off at him, which I think is hilarious. And then Winston walks over and is like, what a beautiful sunrise. And he goes to hand John his piece and John puts it in the gun. And he goes, last words, Winston. And he goes, just have fun out there. And the two of them are at opposite ends. They have their pistols cocked. The tracker is sitting on a bench with his dog watching the whole thing go down. The harbinger counts down, tells him to fire. And the first shot rings out. And Don and Johnny N are both shot in the arm. Again, implying that the two of them really don't want to do this to each other. And so they're told to step another 10 paces up. They step up 20 paces. They go to fire their shots again. This time, Donnie Yen takes a shot, which is close to his ribs, kind of down by his intestines regions and stuff. And he goes to grab it and he's gripping. He goes, nice shot, John, as John had been shot in the shoulder. And this time around, when the next shot is being told to be fired, Winston walks up and goes, go ahead and just kill him, you know, end it. Because Winston's like, we can just obviously get the hotel back. Like, it's just another person that you have to kill. But one thing that I love about it is the contemplation in Keanu's eyes before the final shot. Keanu sits there, looks down at the pistol, looks back at Johnny Yen, and then says a line that I think Donnie Yen says earlier in the movie, or says, um, it may have been Donnie Yen said it to him. He goes, those that cling to death seek life, and those that cling to life, uh, life seek death and everything like that. And they go to fire one last time, and a shot rings out. John gets shot down towards his intestine region and falls over, and obviously he's wounded and dying. And Donnie Yen is caught off guard. And of course, Bill Skarsgård and all of his arrogance and pride is like, wait, you know, stop. I want to deliver the coup de grace. He grabs the pistol from Donnie Yen and Donnie Yen's like, well, is my daughter free? And he goes, yes, your daughter's free. Everything's good. And he goes up to shoot John Wick in the head. And Winston, of course, uh, scoffs and goes, you arrogant little asshole. He didn't shoot. And it's revealed that John Wick never fired the final shot. And of course, Bill Skarsgård all like caught off guard, goes to turn. 
John Wick has the pistol pointed at his head and goes, consequences, and shoots him in the fucking dome, and he falls over and dies. Fuck yeah. I, and I, yes. I, I just think remember the my theater just uh, was cheering for that. Yeah. Anyway, was yours? Yeah, mine cheered was like, fuck yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yours, I? Yeah, so after this, of course, it's revealed that like, oh, the Harbinger's caught off guard. He's like, hmm, well, Mr. John Wick, you are relieved of all of your uh, ties to the high table. You now have your freedom. As to you, Mr. Donnie Yen, uh, Kane, you are able to see your daughter again. The two of you no longer have to serve under the table. Our business here is conducted. Goodbye. And the Harbinger snaps his fingers. Everybody goes to clean their shit up. And then Donnie Yen walks over to John is like my brother. And, you know, he's all emotional because John made a sacrifice for him and his daughter. And John looks at him and goes, you know, you owe me. Right. And he laughs and he gets up and walks away. And then Winston walks over to John and John looks at Winston and goes, well, will you take me home? And Winston doesn't really say anything. I think he says, of course, or something like that. And then John Wick walks down the steps takes off his belt where all of these ammo boxes fall down which i think is kind of hilarious and he sits on the step and has this moment of contemplation where he thinks about his wife helen it's obviously an homage to blade runner where the uh deviant at the ending is you know going on his little monologue about i've seen things that you've never seen before john wick then slowly bends over falls over and falls on the steps and then we cut to new york with winston and the bowery king at a tombstone where it has Helen Wick, loving wife, and then John Wick, loving husband, on a tombstone. And the Bowery King goes, never thought I'd live to see the day. He's like, so where do you think he is? Is he in heaven or is he in hell? And Winston goes, who knows? And the Bowery King laughs and walks away, and he has John Wick's pit bull. I know a lot of people have been like, well, what about his dog? But it looks like the Bowery King's taking care of the dog. And then, of course, Winston walks up to the tombstone. It's revealed that he has one of the tattoos that the Ruska Roma does on his wrist. And then in Russian, he says, see you uh, see you soon, my son, and then walks away. And the movie ends with that. Oh, OK, so like we're talking about his death, right? Yeah, we got to talk about it. <laughs> so I'm conflicted here. Like, and the thing is, because I'm fine with like characters dying, right? Like, like, especially like legacy characters. I'm like if it's written well right i'm not saying that like because the seeds were there right i i think that that was interesting to me like how, i and i really like the homage to blade runner yeah as well but like at the same time i just also rewatched the first movie and something that i liked about that was like how to me like it, it seemed as though like I don't think John would have John's wife Helen would want him to die like that. Mm-hmm. I guess like it's seeking revenge or like trying to get out of it, I guess. You know, but like I guess in this context it's like I guess he's content with seeing his wife because yeah, the it harks back to the line that like um, he's only going to be free in death. Yeah. But, no, I don't know. I'm just very conflicted by this. What What are your thoughts? So, I think it does make more sense for John Wick as a character to basically, like, you know, he has his freedom now. And it does beg the question, like, what would he do with his freedom ultimately? And now we won't know, obviously, because he's dead. But I think 
it makes sense because like you were saying a lot of the themes in this movie are like john wick can only find peace and death john wick can only find peace and death and that might be ultimately true because even after john wick gets his freedom there's still going to be obviously assassins out there and stuff they're like oh well john wick you know i still want to kill the legend everything like that he can never truly leave this world because there are always going to be people after him because he is the living legend john wick and i think that's why i'm kind of okay with his death being like this to where he kind of finds peace after gaining his freedom and like he doesn't have to fight anymore but there is obviously a lot of things that are left on the table that John Wick wanted to do. Like, again, one of the things established at the beginning of the movie was John Wick wanted to take down the high table. But now, obviously, that's not going to happen because he's dead. But there's also, again, those moments of ambiguity at the ending where obviously they say in heaven or in hell. And Winston goes, who knows, which could imply like maybe nothing's in that tombstone. Maybe John Wick just went off and retired somewhere. And that's the end of his legacy. You know, it's kind of like. You know how the Dark Knight Rises ends with like, oh, is Bruce Wayne actually dead? Did Alfred see him at the cafe and everything like that? It kind of feels like an ending like that where it's meant for like the viewer to interpret it the way they want. Like, is John Wick truly dead? Is John Wick off somewhere else? And they just buried the legend of him in New York as like a whole, oh, yeah, he's gone. And I think that's what I love about this movie is it's very layered in its ending and it does leave a lot to be desired for a potential, obviously, John Wick 5 that's probably going to get greenlit. Since, yeah, no, that that interpretation there, that, like, the tombstone might be empty, that's kind of what I personally want to believe. Yeah. But at the same time, like, this dude, Keanu Reeves, he's 60 years old. I don't want him to, like, hurt himself if he seriously doesn't want to. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't want to, and I also don't want to be, like, those that type of guys, like, why'd you kill him off? Like, I want to see him do, like, fucking backflips and such. Like, I think that's lame, too. I don't know, I'm just so conflicted, because I, I guess I just didn't want to see this franchise possibly end, especially with, like, the post credit scene mm-hmm. as well. Are we, we should probably talk about that, too. Yeah. Uh, so there's a quick little post-credit scene if you stay for the very end of the movie where Donnie Yen is walking to see his daughter. Uh, he has a p- little bouquet of flowers and stuff, and they keep cutting once again to that same shot of the girl at the beginning of the movie that's playing the violin. And as Donnie Yen is working his way towards there, we see Akira with her hood up, and she's walking towards Donnie Yen. He's got, again, that knife cane and everything, but Akira draws a blade, and it just cuts to black. Cuts to black after that. We don't know what happens after that. So... You know, is it's again an interpretation thing. Hermit Akira might get her own spinoff or something like that. Um, there is a spinoff confirmed in the John Wick universe that's coming out next year. It's called Ballerina with Ana de Armas, which is going to involve one of the characters that work for that ballerina organization with uh, Jennifer, not Jennifer, Angelica Houston, Angelica Houston. Three. Yeah. Wait. Okay, that's interesting, right? Because I don't know, like. But something that I never really liked about the John Wick franchise, which I still love dearly, like I still love this movie a lot, but I guess I just didn't really like how side characters will disappear. Yeah, like, do you remember that John Wick was almost like still out there in, in this in this universe? I don't think he dies in Chapter Three. But, like, he's very much reacting to uh, John Wick getting excommunicado, like, in his little garage. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. So, 
I'm curious what ballerina is gonna entail. Like, if it's gonna focus on the side characters that have disappeared, you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it will or not. I think so. Here's here's what I'm interpreting basically. So they really want to see if ballerina can stand on its own legs, right? They want to see if it can make as much money as John Wick. I think the idea here is if Lionsgate can make profitability from other characters in the John Wick universe, then they're just going to be okay doing side characters in the forefront going forward and like doing more with them. But if Ballerina doesn't make any money and the Akira movie doesn't make any money, then they might shit themselves and go, well, we have to do John Wick 5 now. So I think that's the contemplation. I think Chad and Keanu do want this to be the end of the franchise. But the only problem is, if the other spin-off franchises don't do well, then Lionsgate's going to force their hand and be like, hey guys, we got to make a fifth one here, because uh, obviously, like, we, we need profits and stuff. Because Lionsgate is a company, like, they do decently well off movies, but John Wick is, like, their cornerstone, basically. The the last thing that I want happening to this franchise is... I, I don't know if this is for real, but, like, did you, did you hear that they're doing, like, Die Hard movies with like a not Bruce Willis type of person. I did hear that. Like it's like an my friend, my buddies were telling me about this. Uh, I think it was like a like an AI thing where they oh like God, where they fake Bruce Willis being in these future. I don't know if it's for true. Okay, but like I don't know. Like I just don't want. Like, or at, at the very least, a better example is like what Star Wars has done with Luke Skywalker in yeah, like, oh God. Mandalorian, where they deep fake him doing fucking flips and shit. Ugh. I I don't want that to happen to the John Wick movies. No, God, please no. Because again, something that we love about this franchise are the practical stunts. Yes very much right like we love seeing like keanu reeves go through hell and back just to prove that like revenge is like kind of a bad thing which Mm -hmm. it's true but like i don't know it I, i just don't want that authenticity to be gone because if anything at the end of the day like that's something that i really love about these movies i guess oh no i agree with honest i agree but yeah that's but yeah i don't know as terms of the spinoffs i i don't know i'll i'll say hopeful for them because i do want to see a lot of these side characters possibly make an appearance because i do know that uh rena who played Akira, wanted Michelle Yeoh to play her mother, apparently, if they ever were to continue it. Yeah. But, I don't know. But I like John Wick 4 enough. Yeah. And if this is the last movie to wrap up this little franchise that they were going for, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, so am I. Um, I don't have much more, I guess, to say about John Wick 4. Go see it, because, honest to God, like, keep supporting this little franchise, and, you know, let Chad and Keanu know all their work was worth it. Um, so I scored this one a 9 out of 10, as a lot of people know. I think my... I don't know. So, my ranking of the movies goes 2, 
four one three probably. Interesting. Because I don't know if four will jump two over time or if it won't, but like it goes two four one three right now. I kind of have a similar list. It's just that one is switched with three. Okay. I think because I I just finished rewatching the first one, and I still think it's a little bit too simple. Well, not that's too mean. I get that it's like a it can be seen as a standalone compared to the rest of them. Yeah. But it very much screams first movie. That's fair. Of a franchise. And if anything, because there's still a scene in two, I can't rewatch. I'm not going to say what, but it, you might have an idea of what it is. No, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, but like. Again, 2 is the one where it actually made us care for, like, what these movies are trying to go for, I guess. Like, saying that revenge can only lead you into, like, darker places if if you go down that path. Yeah. And such. And, uh, if anything, that's why I appreciate 4 a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, uh... I guess, yeah, that'll do it for the John Wick 4 review. Um, well, Fahrenheit, it looks like the analytics uh, are about to come in and tell us how much money we made. Yeah, I can't believe that uh, we talked about Matrix 4 this entire time. Wait, you listed this podcast under Matrix 4? Uh, yeah. Oh what? my god, Fahrenheit. All that money went to Danny. Danny had all this... No, wait. Matrix 4. Oh, Oh, no. no. Fahrenheit, we just lost $2 billion. What the fuck? Oh, fuck! (laughs)